And welcome back, Grief Nation listeners. Today on our show, I have a very special guest. Her name is Molly Peterson, and I'm just so excited to have her on. How are you, Molly? Thank you for being here. I am well. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, we're here today to talk about your story um, and your journey with domestic violence. Can you please share that with us? Yes. Um, just to start off, my journey uh, began several, several years ago. And at that time, um, I wasn't at a place mentally, emotionally, or you know, psychologically to, to address the domestic violence incident I was in or experience I was in or to share with others because it kind of caught me off guard. I was raised in a small rural town. Uh, I was, everything was sheltered because at the time I was raised, everyone you basically were in church, you know, a lot. Through the week, on, on Sundays. So parents were pretty strict and there were not many room, there wasn't a lot of room for um, experience in life. So um, dating was not an option. Um, Talking on the telephone was not an option. Uh, and, and so when I became a young adult out of high school, the world was just, I became just introduced to the world as it is, is what I'm saying. It became a reality. So I moved from Missouri to Michigan and with someone that I knew, went to high school with, graduated. He went to the service. I went on, you know, we, we didn't see each other for a few years. He came back to town. We became involved in a relationship and we decided to move out of state, you know, as a couple. And so that was the beginning of me trying to learn how to not only live life from a small town perspective, but where I live in Michigan is considered a small town, but it really is not. If you're from this, from a little small rural town, it's, it's quite, it's big enough. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of um, just unrealistic ideas of what relationship was and what being a parent, a mother was and what being a, um, a young adult, mm -hmm. a lot of misconceptions. So we started, we moved to Michigan, moved in with a relative of his and eventually got our own apartment. And it really started at that time. I just didn't realize it at that time because he wasn't like, he wasn't, um, verbally abusive it was like the disappearing and 
not knowing where he was and I was by myself and didn't have family in the community and didn't know people. So it was kind of like that, that was emotional abuse, but I didn't realize it. And it, so we went from that to, um, me trying to stay, me believing that we would get married one day. That was the goal, to get married and become a family. So once we moved into a, a, a place, of a, another place that was nicer and had more, more room, um, that's when I saw the changes. Like I never could determine if he was using drugs or, you know, drinking because I wasn't, I wasn't experienced with that either. Mm -hmm. I wasn't around that and I didn't have family that, that parted and did that. So I just knew his behavior was changing. He wasn't acting like himself. So that's when the verbal and emotional abuse started. And then it went to um, like, down putting you down and saying things that were just didn't make sense and like when I would go to work and come home and I basically was just that was it working and coming home but I would come home and he would be just like from zero to a hundred real fast and start and started accusing me of messing around or doing things that even being at work, it got so bad that I ended up sometimes having to walk home. He wouldn't even pick me up for work. I didn't have a car in my home. So I ended up walking home. Of course, I couldn't share this with anyone mm -hmm. because I didn't want, I was embarrassed and shamed. Even on the job, I didn't share it with anyone because I didn't want them looking at me a certain way. I was very um conscious of my uh of course i'm I, I was smaller back then but i've always been tall mm -hmm. and i've always been the type of woman that when you go through things people start um judging you mm -hmm. like well, you know well how can you let that happen you know what you know you look like you they really don't know when a person get inside your head it's a little bit it goes further than looks is what i'm getting at yeah. And you began to not see yourself as you did when you came into the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's like walking on eggshells. If you hear people say that, where you're trying to make peace and you make sure you don't do things to cause uh, this person to go off on you or to jump on you because you just want, you just want things to go smooth. Eventually it turned into uh, really rage and he constantly had his gun where I could see it where it was like I guess now that I'm at this point in my life I realized that that was like used as a threat yeah. you know even though the gun was never used on me it affected me greatly so I really, at that time, didn't understand and didn't know what to do. My, my story ends, um, every time I tell my story, it ends with, I tell people I was praying, and I was. 
I was a prayer warrior, always have been. And I remember constantly praying. He would come home, knock the door down, I mean, kick it down, come in the house. And by the time the police would get there, the house would be towed up and he was smart enough to leave before the police got there. Hmm. They were never able to find him or catch him. And I really thought about, well, if they can't catch him, you know, what, what hope do I have for me and my children? Yeah. So my safety plan, I, I was able to um, put together a safety plan. I didn't even know anything about safety plans either. I show you how mothers, sometimes they have things that comes to their mind to protect their children. Yes. But so I came up with a plan where my children, when he would come in, like at nights where he would come in, like early morning, he would be like drink drunk or high. I don't know which one it was. But if they would hear him coming in loud, they knew to leave the house and go next door to the neighbor's house. He, he never did catch on because he never did stop him. Mm -hmm. And when they would go to the neighbor's house, the neighbors would call the police. And that's how the police were, were able to write the reports. But at that time, the police were not talking. I never had a police officer, Ms. Knight, talk to me about the YWCA or about any services. It was pretty much, they. I felt like they were looking at me like, you know, well, you in this situation, why don't you do something about it? You know, why, why don't you change it? not knowing that there was so much fear in me being already isolated and yeah. not having family in this town. I hadn't even lived in a town long enough to build relationships with, with, with uh, people. I was fortunate enough that I started building those relationships with my neighbors in the, the apartment complex I was living at, but, but I hadn't been there long enough to just for everyone to build that rapport with me like that. Yeah. So that's my journey. Basically, um, the isolation, the disappearing, the ignoring, rejection, um, verbal, constant verbal put downs, profanity, and still, sometimes after all that rage will trust some will trust you to make them food yeah. you know they you know something to eat you know like nothing has happened yeah. and um i i didn't end up in the hospital but there were several times where the police tried to get me to go to the hospital because he had broke so much stuff. He had ended up breaking chairs over me and turn, but I never would go to the hospital because I didn't want to leave my kids. So uh, that was the journey is what I'm getting at. The journey was, was um, one of just I like guess difficult, very um, difficult. It, it sounds like it was it was a lot it, it, it definitely was a lot and I'm so sorry that you had to experience that and I'm yeah. thinking about just like as you said we you know as mothers we're constantly thinking about like 
the children, at least the children, you know, kind of knew what to do. Um, and you had, um, they kind of kept re-experiencing that. So I yeah. want to know, as they was, as they kept re-experiencing that, how did this life of abuse, of abuse affect you and your family years later? Before we, he ended up leaving, I did get pregnant by him. So we have a son together. Okay. And so, how can I say this? The trauma affected my children, but I wasn't aware of it until they were a little older. Yeah. Now, how it affected my 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 son at that time that was the baby mm -hmm. was because he would come in even though he had moved to another state he would pop up and take my son my son could be in the bed it could be like one or two in the morning mm -hmm. he would come take my son out the bed and he would disappear with him Oh no. For like months. No. And I didn't didn't really know what stages to take because by right we wasn't married. Mm -hmm. And he didn't there was no orders out. He yeah. wasn't didn't have no court orders. So I basically um didn't see my son for months so what i i eventually uh moved out that apartment just for protection's sake and moved to another apartment when he finally brought my son back i moved to the, another apartment in the back where he didn't know where i was and i and that's how i felt like i could put a little bit more safety over my kids yeah but that affected my son later because he as he he's got stories that he told me about things that happened when he was with his dad, mm. when I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. My other kids experienced trauma because they remember seeing the house damage and all the destruction and me told, having to repair things. They knew I was hurt, but being a woman that was dark skinned, you really couldn't see my scars, a lot of wounds like some people. And they knew that um, they, were, they were afraid as much as I was. I'm pretty sure that I might not live, you know, to see them yeah. become adults. Yeah. Now, how long do you feel that from that time? Because I know you're saying that this happened, you know, really early on. Yeah. Um, as you being a young adult, but how long do you feel like that has um, carried over in your family? This, this, you know, this life experience of abuse. Oh, it carried on until, until I decided to uh, do the work mm -hmm. to start um, addressing my, my my trauma, my own traumas. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, a lot of it had to do with shame and guilt, uh -huh. you know? And it, so it took me a minute to even get over blaming myself yeah. for putting my kids in that situation, for putting myself in that situation. And also another carrot for me is I didn't, 
I wasn't raised with my biological parents. So I didn't have a biological family base. I had a couple that raised my sister and I in Missouri, but we originally was from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. so, so there was no safety net around me that I could you know, go back to us, pick up the phone and call. So it took me years to kind of get past the shame and guilt. Yeah. And eventually, uh, when I started to work to, to begin healing my inner self and the trauma issues and everything, it also helped me to heal the wounds of, of being my, from, from the inner child, you know, because you, you yeah. heal from the inside out. Yes, yes. So those things begin to heal. Once I healed me, I went back and started to work on my kids. And even though a couple of them were adults, it was okay because I had to start doing the work. I didn't want them to, to just walk around looking at me like, um, oh, mama just got over this and it's moving on. No, you don't get over it. Yeah. It's, it's something that you carry, but I didn't want them to especially the sons, I didn't want them to have that as a model yeah. for how they treat their women and families. And I didn't want my daughter to know that things happen, but you have to be able to get the work done. On You have to do the work yourself yeah. to don't be afraid to go to therapy. Don't be afraid to get what you need to heal. Absolutely. So um, I just kept working on myself. That is so beautiful. I, I'm so grateful to you for being here today and that you're sharing that, that it doesn't, no matter how long it takes that you still was, um, you had decided, and I kept hearing you say this word that I say often that I showed up for myself and I just simply decided to do something differently. I started working on myself and then yes. went back to, you know, help your kids through this. And I'm sure you start having conversations with them. That is a good yes. model for anyone that is experiencing this at whatever age or, or, you know, level that they are in their life that you can still go back and repair um, some of those hurts and pains and, and still openly have these conversations with your children at no matter what age that they are, because they need to hear it come from you. It shouldn't yes. be after the fact that you're dead and gone, that it's like, oh, well, I wish we would have, could have, should have had these conversations with our parents to understand, you know, what our, our parents were going through. I'm so grateful that you decided to do that openly with your children at no matter what age they were and saying hey yes this, this occurred this this did occur to us and I'm okay I'm working on myself and I want I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that um yes what resources um that you can share with someone that is going and going through crisis just maybe from where the city and state that you are well for my state um for myself, um, a part of my journey before now uh, was the YWCA. Mm -hmm. There was an empowerment group that I participated in. That was along with my healing. That was a few years back. And um, so recent, how I became, um, decided to, to 
start my voice again and then I give the contact because um, I had to no longer see my age as a barrier mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that's what that's why um, I really want to try to use my voice to reach and teach and empower others because uh, we as a as a world, we look at age and we look at, we define success as a certain point, you know, in life, you should have this by ages. Mm -hmm. But for me, I had to walk through so many other barriers. Mm -hmm. And then I started working toward healing. So for women in, in my community, there's the, um, YWCA, I still work with the YWCA. Matter of fact, I just um, been approved to work with them on the sexual assault mm -hmm. program as well. Mm -hmm. So you can contact the YWCA. They have a 24 hour crisis line. Mm -hmm. And do you want me to give numbers yes, out? Please. That'll okay. Nice. At 269-385-3587. That's a number where you can remain anonymous and share your, your um, ask for help. There is a national domestic violence hotline, which is 1-800-799-7233. There is a um, chat online site, which is new. Mm -hmm. It's um, offered by the YWCA. Is chat online site at thehotline.org. And this is for the ones who say that they may be around someone that's, that's watching them and, and they're really afraid, but they can't make a phone call because they might hear them. Yeah. So that's a hotline for that. And then we have Moms Demand Action, Kalamazoo, and Everytown Survivor Network. And for that resource, I just use my email address, which is mollypeterson63 at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And what state are you in for that first number? I'm in Michigan. Okay. So Michigan, that first number four was for Michigan residents. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. And during the pandemic, there was a rise in domestic abuse last year due to the shelter in order. Can you share your views or any information that you know that was happening in your state? They do partner with the YWCA. If there are, are homes, they go to together. They take a, a YWCA crisis worker with them into the home okay and to say and there is no we haven't had in michigan any reported domestic relationship homicides during the pandemic which was a blessing yes yes well that's good news to hear okay and your advocacy work and you briefly spoke about that just a few minutes ago your advocacy work is a huge part of your journey how did you become involved with moms demand action in every town 2018, I was working with a group violence intervention program in the city of Kalamazoo. Mm -hmm. And I had a chance to meet the Moms Demand Action Team downtown at a rally. And I decided to attend a few me meetings to learn more about their mission and to see if I could get people in the community to become more involved. So in 2019, 
there was an annual service of every year they have an annual service of remembrance vigil for victims of gun violence at our at a local baptist church so 2019 i was asked to speak and also when i got there um one of my team members rick and martha million they had a display board called moments that survive and i decided to first time i decided to write my story and when i wrote my story it was like very powerful just to put on the board and for a minute i you know i started feeling like well this is not the same you know my story is not the same as everyone else's because you know that was a long time ago i'm still here and i had to really think about doesn't matter you know somebody could hear my story and not have to go down this journey as long as it took me to go down this journey. Yeah. So I went from that to 2020 I was accepted I applied for the Every Town Survivor Fellowship program and I was accepted and I've been in the fellowship program ever since then. Okay. This is my second year. All right, all right. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I think um well not a lot of um people that come through moms feel that way, but I, I definitely felt that way too, as far as um, um, with my story and losing my son um, to suicide. At first, I kind of felt like, you know, this is not where I fit in, but, you know, they're always embracing you no matter, you know, what has occurred um, in your, you know, through your life. Um, it's always a welcome um, yes. to bring you in and to, you know, protect you and make you feel like you are you found a home and family. Um, so I, I feel it. I know I understand exactly what you're saying. I felt that way at first too, until I start realizing because of the miseducation behind, you know, not understanding that I was a survivor until I start learning that, you know, <laughs> yeah, okay, yes, I do. This is my home. This is my place. This is, these are my people. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm so grateful to uh, moms and every town for definitely educating us on, you know, what, who it is, who has suffered, um, how we are um, all, they have brought us all together because of our, our stories and yes. um, we all are connected. So, so grateful to both of those organizations that really teach and help us to understand. Um, and they become our family. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they teach us, they train us, they, um, help us with legislation and how to share our stories even there to you know to make sure we're filling in all these gaps that are constantly happening and um i'm just so grateful for the for both of them um as the other um do you have any other organizations i know you've talked about you talked about the woman's um is it a, a woman's shelter or center that mm -hmm. I, I keep hearing you talk about are there any other affiliations or partnerships that you work with um i I've heard, had many, but I've stepped down. But right now I currently serve on a trauma recovery board. Mm -hmm. And and because in Kalamazoo, the county and the city, Miami adopted a, rec, a proclamation uh, that trauma is an uh, issue. It's a, it's, a, um, it's a statewide issue mm -hmm. that they're going to address. 
So I was honored to be accepted on this board to kind of be a part of the change. And so, that, uh, they have so many now. Stay Well, which deals with COVID-19 crises. Um, they have the Lifeline, the Suicide Prevention Network. Mm -hmm. And I'm the internship coordinator. I work and advise interns that are coming through school, working on their social work degree mm -hmm. and hoping to be future social workers in the community. Yeah, because you're, you're um, LMS right yes 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 so glad i guess i forget to mention that <laughs> <laughs> yes okay. i am that is okay so with all this work that you do and you, you've talked about that you support so many different um organizations and affiliations and plus you we know how how hard um, the advocacy piece is a lot especially around um you know election time and all of the work that we do and um advocacy day and you know we're orange events and then our our national conference we know all of the work that we do there so please share with my audience what do you do as far as self-care because i know from the, the work that you do um can you know bring about emotions and just be from your past or, or, you know, you're, we are all, we're forever healing. I say, I like to say, so, yeah. um, and then you're dealing with a lot of, um, you know, families that you work with. And then plus, like I said, the advocacy part. So what is self-care, what self-care practices do you use? For me, I practice, I even self-care is even passed on to my students I work with because I had to learn the importance of self-care. You know, I was one of the parents that put everybody first and did everything for everyone else, not realizing that um, it's important. You can't give out what you don't have. That's the bottom line. Yes, ma'am. So I learned how to start. Um, I've always, as I said, been a prayer warrior. I pray constantly, but I learned how to meditate and journal which meditation is a little bit different because it teaches me to pause and to sit still yeah. and to breathe. I didn't even realize when you go through trauma and you go through something real toxic, it takes your breath away. Yeah, You're just moving, moving, moving and not even realize that you're not breathing. So I journal, I write poems, I practice mindful breathing techniques and I get up every morning I have a gratitude book that I just force myself to write a list of things I'm grateful for yeah. every day I, I get up I have to stay grateful in order to not focus on everything that's happening around us yeah. because it's too much it takes away your energy you cannot have the news and and people and information coming 24 7 and not take step back and take a break from it thank you so much for saying that and that is so true thank you for sharing that because um you know we have all these added stressors uh, yes. and then there's work then there's family of course and then um, if you're an entrepreneur, then there's that. And then there's uh, the added stresses of the pandemic and, you know, things that we didn't even know about um, that was coming um, 
towards us last year that we're still having the residuals of what this, you know, life looks like now, um, our new normalcy. And that's even, you know, sometimes can be, um, it's very detrimental to our, our state of just being, you know, aware or being yeah. in the present moment or, you know, being, like you said, being mindful of um, what our feelings are or what we're feeling. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Those are some great ideas. And thank you for sharing that every morning she gets up and she, she does this on a consistent basis. So thank you for sharing that. So You're welcome. what, um, what's next for your journey? What, what are you working on? Well, my next journey, you just mentioned it when we were talking about every day, um, I'm establish a business. I, and I'm in the process of designing a website and um, coming up with, with the, um, I guess the soundbite or the, the brand, I should say, branding the, the, my business. What is it called? And I don't, I don't know if I'm, if I should say the name because it's not established yet. Okay, gotcha. But um, basically just so people would know that um, it's coming. Yeah. It's something that's coming. Okay. It's, it's, the website will be up soon. Okay. And basically I would like everyone to know that it's, it's, some, it's, a, it's a project that it's going to be geared toward helping others to restart, refocus, and recreate their destinies. All right. And recognizing their own resiliency strengths. Okay. A lot of people talk about trauma, but very few people help people understand the skills behind resiliency and how it kept them still standing through whatever it is that they went through, but how to take that and move to the next level in their life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that is so amazing to help people to tap into. Um, I mean, even though they are, they have their own journey, all of our stories are different, but yet um, I guess giving people a, a roadmap to kind of like what it looks like to start here or, or to move forward. And I think too, um, when I listen to people's stories or when I'm working with individuals and everybody has their own walk of, you know, what they've gone through, how they started. And I love to hear when people say, well, I decided. So when you decided that was the first step and then everything else to start really showing up for you, the more you start doing the work. So it's yeah. so, I'm so excited that you do have, um, you know, you have plans that um, to support others and have a, a pretty much a roadmap of those things of what to do to continue the work of being resilient. That is beautiful. Thank yes. you. Thank you for that. And mm -hmm. also um, share a personal quote if you have one. And after your personal quote, I want to know what is your superpower? <laughs> I have a lot of personal quotes. <laughs> But the one that I, I, that st stood out was, uh, is about choices and, and my quote was, we all make choices, but in the end, our choices make us. When we make choices, like under stress, anger, passion, and the moment, sometimes the choices 
lead us down a road that we don't want to go down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I try to help people understand, even when you make a, a poor choice, that you can turn it around yeah. and make a different choice. But if we teach uh, people how to make proper choices or the correct choices or healthy choices, yeah. it would probably eliminate a lot of the stressors and, and loss of time um, like I went through trying to regain themselves or restore their, their, their motherhood or their, their um, lifestyle. A question another question i'm gonna throw in there did, did you and your family have any counseling um at any point through um you know all of the suffering and you know anguish and everything to help deal with those um you know feelings of different emotions that would you know pop up did you or your family have that go through any um type of counseling to support you no no to be honest with you i was the counselor mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and <laughs> once i once i went through my healing i took it to them and i have you know i had good people i had good books good information mm -hmm. and i basically even now you know i'm not a psychiatrist or a therapist but there's a lot of advice i just get from from just wisdom just yeah. from things i've experienced yeah so i'm able to kind of carry that on to my grandkids and mm -hmm. and hope to see them change a generation absolutely um the wisdom um trumps you know some therapy sometimes <laughs> at any point uh just living through the life experience and every and and you know not saying that you know um, it's good to have a, it's good to go through therapy it's good to you know have someone to sort out and, and talk your problems through but um it just depends on the situation. And, and um, like you yeah. said, a lot of your, um, because of your life experience, it was, it was, it had happened so long ago, you know, you were able to, you know, I mean, through yeah. your own um, schooling and, and learning and being a, a master social worker, I'm sure you, you really truly learned a lot of yeah. how to support yourself and others. And your like you said, your grands and everybody. And that's true. Yeah, and you know, um, you asked about my superpower. I was thinking about it. To to be honest with you, my superpower, I believe, um, has to do with. Um, well, I don't believe it has to. It's it's forgiveness and love, mm -hmm. because there are so many things that happen during the time of my young adulthood until what whatever. Even as a young child. There's a lot of people that I could have been angry with or could be angry with or up or bitter. Yeah. There's a lot of situations, different things that happen, but I, I chose not to be. Mm -hmm. I choose, I, I learned how to address it, face it, release it, let it go and let God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like because that when people talk about stress being a silent killer so does so is bitterness and unforgiveness it's something that eats people alive and they don't realize it so when i was out in the community working uh, miami and doing things and i served on the school board and people would see me they never knew 
what I was going through because I wasn't carrying myself as a victim. I was carrying myself as a survivor in Lome even before I got to that part. But I knew in my heart that forgiveness and love, keep loving people, keep loving my kids, keep, you can love people even though they hurt you, just keep them at a distance. They don't have to be in your life. But that keeps you from having to carry the burden of what they did to you and the, the guilt, remember the guilt and shame that I went through, carrying the guilt and shame of what you feel like that you put on yourself. Yeah. And it brings the human back into it, knowing that we all make mistakes, we all human, and we have to accept ourselves as that. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. Now, before I let you go, what's your call to action? Or is there something that we didn't discuss that you would like to see change or bring further awareness to? In Michigan, we're working on, of course, the gun sense um, bills. Mm -hmm. But for myself, I'm learning how to advocate for um, domestic violence um red flag laws and i um i forgot to mention this i am working with the ywca and i i will be a um what they call a regular guest speaker for the women in the shelter but i also will i'm beginning to in the next few weeks i'll start working in the sex trafficking house so i'm learning how to to get a better understanding of what the needs are now as far as domestic violence. I know things have changed and there's a lot of gun laws that does not cover domestic violence survivors or victims. Yeah. And I'm learning. So my next um, goal is to participate in the next domestic violence rally in Lansing and just continue to, to learn more about how these laws affect the families in Michigan and become a better advocate for the family. Wow, that is so amazing. Thank you so much, Ms. Molly, for spending your time with us today and sharing your journey and all of the insight and wisdom that you had to share with us and teaching people that we can still, no matter how long it takes, we can still move forward and um, heal through this journey and share that with our family. So thank you so much for your wisdom. And I really appreciate you being on the show. You're welcome. And thank you so much for inviting me and allowing me to speak. It was an honor. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude to our special guests for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Night, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually. Bye-bye. He's got me walking that green one. Going slow mode. He's got me talking that green time. Going slow mode. He's got me clocking the way. It's the Miami Night Show. Hey, yeah. Slow mode. He's got me walking that green one. Going slow mode. He's got me talking that green time. Going slow mode. He's got me clocking the way. What up, tribe? It's Miami Night Show, Master hey, Coach. Yeah. Welcome to the Miami Night Show.
got me walking that grief walk. It's time for grief talk, y'all. Yeah. I talk about things you think about. It's Miami Nitro, Master Grief Coach.